Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. Today, I got my butt kicked. And so this is an episode with the one and the only, Keenan. He's the CEO of A Sales Guy Sales Consulting and the one and only author of Gap Selling. And he talks all about how he's going to rake you over the coals with your problems. Nick, why should people listen? Legitimately, this one flips Armand upside down on his head and bonks him on the sidewalk. But Keenan's got some really interesting thoughts on the way that we're managing our discovery. Stop asking customers about how many clicks something takes. Stop getting mired in the minutia and actually have a conversation with your customer about the business problem they are trying to solve. Keenan teaches us how to get to the heart of that, which is going to help you close more and bigger deals. All righty, folks, let's roll it. Three, two, one, go. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto-reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press Command-H, and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free.
Keenan, welcome to the show. We start every single show with three actionable tips. Let's get into it. What's number one? Number one, stop selling your product. Nobody wants it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about your company. All right. At the end of the day, the only reason people buy is because they want to get something done. They don't want your product. Want me to prove it? I can prove it just like this. If they could buy your product or rub a little genie lamp and make a wish, would they buy your product? No, they would not. They would rub the little genie thing and make a wish and make it go away. That's how it works. All your product is is a step or process into solving some type of problems that they can't live with. So stop selling your product. Number two is make sure you become an expert in the space or the world or the environment of your buyer. It blows my mind how many salespeople have no freaking clue about the world that their buyer operates in how they're measured, what's important to them, what the critical issues are, how the stuff breaks down, what they prioritize. They can't have a business conversation with the very people they sell to. So I'm like, well, how are you supposed to sell to them? And I think the third one is give a shit, right? Look, I, to a lot of you, I'm sure people are like, well, those really aren't good tactical selling things. And the truth of the matter is, I think tactical selling tips suck. People run out and you use them out of context, right? I literally watched someone just the other day try to use a sales tactic out of context and it blew up in their face. So there's really no such thing. So I think the last one is like, actually give a shit. What I mean by that is genuinely care that you are solving a problem for your buyer. Genuinely care about what's going on in their life. Genuinely care about why whatever is your product or service can solve, genuinely care about how it's affecting them. If you can do those three things, if you can learn those three things and drive the sale from those three perspectives, one, stop selling your product and sell to a problem. Two, understand the environment in the world your buyer lives and know it to as deep as you can. And then three, actually genuinely give a shit about their world and not yours. Rest takes care of itself. So Keenan, a while ago, you talked about get the hell off the script, never use a script in discovery. And I'm in total agreement, but right now I'm teaching three new reps to ramp and teaching them to do discovery from day one without some structure of how you ask questions is really, really hard if someone's never run a sales call before. So how the hell do you learn discovery and structure a discovery call without having a list of questions that you need to hit? Oh, beautiful. It's not easy, but the cool part is go back to what I just said, right? Rather than spending all the time you spend trying to teach your reps about your product and all the features and all that shit, how about spend more time teaching about the life of the buyer you sell to? What are you selling you're teaching these two new reps? We essentially help CFOs manage their equity plans. Okay, more I'd want to ask there. But so I would teach your salespeople how CFOs manage their equity plans today. What are the issues with managing equity plans? What are the impact if the equity plan is not managed correctly? Who normally they're like, I'd school them on all of that. Then what I would do is I would create a pick problem identification chart. And that basically highlights, think column one, the business problems that CFO is going to struggle with as it relates, the business problem as it relates to managing, what do you call it again? Equity, what? Managing their equity plans. Yeah, managing equity plans. So what are the two, three or four business problems that your specific service or offering solves as it relates to equity plans? Then in the next column, I would have you write down all of the impacts if those problems exist. So if the problem A exists, what are the impacts of all of those problems? Potential, right? They could be endless, but there's a lot of common themes you're going to see, right? And then finally, 
What is the root cause? What do you know about them? Why do those problems pop up in the first place? What is happening inside of organizations that cause those problems? What efficiencies are present? And so when you have all of that, school your little freaking SDR on that. So then when they get on the phone, they can actually start establishing credibility in an organic fashion because they know the business. If you give them this, they don't know They're just reading, trying to get some predefined answer. And that CFO is going to snip that out in two seconds and lose all credibility. Teach them how the space works around the problem, the impact, and the reasons the problem exists. And they'll ask much better questions. And so can you talk a little bit more? Let's say, okay, so they're managing their equity. The common situation is that oftentimes that's managed in a spreadsheet. The repercussion to that is it tends to be extremely time costly, and it's also prone to errors, which can ultimately make you look like an idiot in front of your board. Let's talk about why CFOs manage equity, like define manage equity. So it's more specific to the stock. So we sell to private companies who have stock options, for example, or they have investors who hold stock in the company, not actual like a balance sheet or anything like that. Okay. Okay. And so what happens if that equity is not managed correctly? If it's not managed correctly, your investors don't know what they hold. If your investors don't know what they hold, they start to be more insecure about how you're running your business. And the investors also control who's the CEO. And so they can oust you out. Okay. So I need more than that. Just because they don't know, I need more business problems. So if I don't know, does that, is this for private companies or public companies? Private companies. Okay. So is that regarding to the cap table? Is that what this is about? Does it affect, does it affect fundraising if they don't know properly? Correct. You can't raise another round if your cap table's wrong. Okay. That's a business problem. Of all the people you've ever sold to, how many realized they had a messed up cap table and it was impacting their ability to raise money? Very substantial amount of people. So if I'm selling for you and I'm trusting your answer is correct, I'm getting on the phone and I want to get to CFO really quickly to say, listen, how comfortable that your cap table is accurate? And if not, are you concerned that it's going to affect your next raise? And do you find that an SDR fresh out of college can come in with that bold of a question or do you ease them up a little bit? I'll say, okay, you can ease them up a little, but the bottom line is you should be able to understand his or her space well enough that it's only two or three questions away. If you come in the root cause side and say, are you currently managing your equity in a spreadsheet? Yes, I am. Have you found that doing that, you're not exactly sure if that cap table is correct? And if not, are you concerned or are some of these things at risk? Are you currently funding and you're not exactly sure if that cap table is gonna meet expectations? Are your current investors calling you and asking for what their piece is or whatever, and you can't get it to them in a timely manner, blah, blah, blah. Get them saying yes to some of those questions and you win. That's not a script. <laughs> That's a conversation. Let's walk through the sequencing of that a little bit. You started with a high level situational question or whatever you, you want to call it. You asked how I'm managing it today. You, you asked about some tactical problems associated with that. And then you brought it to the pain. How do you start to walk that further and further throughout the call to ultimately how you're going to help them solve that problem? First of all, I don't call it the pain because I think pain's a waste of time. Pain is the output of a problem, right? So it's actually the problem you want to find, not the pain. Perfect example is a cold. We treat the pain all the time, but we don't get to the problem, right? So the real problem is the virus, but I digress, right? That's where the pick comes in. Like once you have the pick and you understand what problems are and what the impacts are and the root causes, and you genuinely can embrace those, it's a series of questions to see where the buyer goes, right? That's the hard part about this. The good people, though, they ask the question, they know what problem they're looking for, they know what the root causes are, they know some of the potential impacts. So when they ask the question, they shut up and listen. 
and they're paying very close attention to what that specific CFO is saying. So question I have for you around this. So let's say for someone who isn't at that level you just talked about, you're right. Not everybody can gap sell. And I'm somebody who wants to get there. And one of the things you talk about is you got to build your business acumen. Like, how do I get better? One of the things you told Armand he's got to do with his new reps is get these guys understanding the world, understanding the pain and getting better. What are some things like, what's the loaf hanging fruit that I can take advantage of to get better faster? Dude, call one of the CFOs that love your product and bought it. Call her up and say, hey, Mary, watch this. Because gap selling, right? I don't know if your viewers know, but gap selling is the idea of taking a buyer from the current state to the future state. The bigger the gap, the more opportunity to sell, the larger the deal size, the more complexity. Big gap, big sale, small gap, small sale, right? That's the general high level principle. You get this buyer on you sold it before who actually you hope likes you and they've been using the product. You say, hey, Mary, tell me about what was going on before you bought us. Tell me everything. How were you managing equity? How did you handle board meetings? How did you deliver cap table reports? How did you do all of that? How frequently did you do it? How many people on the teams? Give me the full, like, I want it all. Not just the high level. Keep asking and asking, digging, 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 and digging. Okay, what was the impact? How did it affect you? How much money did it cost? What were the negatives? What were the positives? Like, dig the f*** in. Then say, okay, tell me about how it is today. How is it different? Why is it different? How has it improved your job? What has it allowed you to do? What can you do now that you couldn't do before? What's been the outcome, right? How has that made whatever you said over here better now? And then if you can do that with two or three buyers and you still can't have this conversation with a new CFO, find a new job. Probably the biggest takeaway that I got from looking at some of your stuff and reading some of your stuff online is like, we have to do a better job of discovery. And most of us are giving up way too quick. And you really talk about specificity. I think about my selling career and where I've stopped asking questions is, I thought I've uncovered pain when someone says, oh, X process is inefficient and we think your product can help us solve that. And based on what you're saying and what I've learned now is we've got to go 40 levels deeper. One of the things you talk about is the use of why questions, like asking why. And I'm curious about the way that you structure those and if you can talk about that a little bit, because what I've always been told is why sometimes can put your buyer on the defensive because you're challenging them in a way. So how do you come across asking those questions, digging in without them being like, all right, just, just stop. Can we just get to the demo? One of the things I backtracked a little from is asking why questions. And what I mean by that is literally asking the question why. Because I agree with you. I find it to be clumsy and unsophisticated. But what I haven't backed down is I've just replaced it with trying to understand further what's going on. What was the example you used? You found what? I would have a customer say, well, X process is inefficient. We need to become more inefficient. I think your product will help us with that. You're right. Most people, salespeople stop there and or... I used to say, we'll find out why, and I'd use why questions, but I backed off of that. Now what I want to do is, okay, can you tell, when you say this process is inefficient, could you please define that for me, please? And then they walk you through the definition. And I say, okay, so you said it takes you 22 hours and six people touch it and blah, 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 blah. Okay, so understanding that, how has that impacted your organization? It's like a doctor. I literally just keep dissecting why it matters without saying why. So how has that affected your organization? And sometimes they'll throw out another, what I call a technical problem, because you're describing a technical problem. Another technical, well, because it's inefficient, then we can't deliver on time. Okay, well, tell me then, how does it affect the delivery process? 
Well, once that's done, it, dra- it holds the delivery process up. And because I'm making it up, because deliveries come at noon, 50% of the time they're past noon. So we add an extra day and oh, we have to pay extra money to get it out before noon. It cuts into our profit margin. Oh, how often do you have to spend the extra to get it delivered earlier? This much? How much? Oh my God. So what you just told me is you've got an extra quarter of a million dollars a quarter in fees because your process didn't get it to the FedEx guy before 10 to make it the next day and you had committed the next day. So now you got to pay some... Whoa, they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. So I just keep asking the question to understand how the whole thing works. This goes back to sort of what I'm always saying about scripts, right? When you teach a salesperson to have business acumen, you teach them to understand the process, they're thinking and listening. When you just tell them to look for the root cause, they don't understand how it affects everything else and they just stop. I'm thinking about somebody from Armand's perspective where they're selling something mid-market where you get someone who comes in and and maybe you answer a couple quick questions or you, you get a little bit of information and and they say, look, I don't want to have this whole conversation. Can we just get to the demo? Or can you tell me about yourself? Before I even answer anything, tell me about tell me about yourself. Tell me about your company. How are you going to be able to help us? And you know nothing. How do you respond to that? It's responded like you just said. I don't know that I can help you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. And they say, well, we know what we need. I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. But do you know how many times that in the past we've, quote unquote, told people how we can help them? And is once we uncovered it, we realized that, no, the problem you were having isn't what you thought it was. And we can't help you. And we wasted your time and our time. So the bottom line is, if you believe, now you can say this any way you want. I mean, you got to be more sophisticated. But the simple message is, look, I want to help you out, but I need to understand what's going on. And then from that, I can tell you if we can fit it. And not only can I tell you if we can fit, I will show you specifically how we can help you, not just throw a ton of stuff at you and let you have to weed through which will work and which won't. You were giving me some discovery questions. And what I was replying with was, yeah, it's taken a long time. It's, it's hitting our bottom line where it's hitting our financials. We're looking really bad. That's oftentimes the case. You can get into that stuff with inbound deals. Let's say I outbounded a deal and I finally got a guy to take a meeting. And I start asking him the questions about his current process. And I'm starting to ask him basic situational questions. How's he managing it? And once I start to ask him how that process is going for them and what the implications of it are, because it's a process that seems to be working for them, because it's their process, they designed it, you're getting one word answers or they're saying it's fine. And so how do you deal with somebody who perceives their solution to be fine because they built it themselves? Brilliant. Brilliant question, my young brother. So everybody listen, pay attention. When you start asking, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And do you use spreadsheets, blah, blah. And, and does it bother you, et cetera, et cetera. Those are process questions. When you're doing outbound, you have to try to find a business problem as quickly as possible. So you don't want to go to the process. You want to go to the business. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. If it's a true outbound, and I start with, well, really quickly, Armand, would you mind walking me through what prompted you to take this call? I know you're busy. Now, normally they'll say, well, you said you help with declining revenues, or you said you help shorten the sales cycle, or you said you help with increasing average sales price. So if he says that or she says that, what's your next question? Well, tell me a little bit more about that. Okay, about what? You mentioned the issue associated with not being able to hold your sales price. So could you give me a sense of why that's happening? Oh, no, no. See, why is a root cause? You're already trying to take him into the problem. 
but you haven't got him to admit he has a problem yet. So if he says to me, well, look, I took this meeting because you, because they'll do that. Well, you said you guys can reduce average sales cycles. Okay, let's just go with that one. I was like, yes, we can. So Armand, tell me, is this something you guys are struggling with right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that's been super challenging for us because our deals are getting strung over six months. I'm done. Like, Armand, I just answered your question. Right? The minute you say yes, then I want to dig into that. So wait, six months, how long do you think it should be? I mean, ideally, it would be cut in half, right? Okay, so three months. How many sales reps do you have, Armand? Right now, I got about 20 reps on the team. Okay, 20 reps. What's the average deal size? Average deal size, I mean, it's, it's a small sale. It's only about 10K or so, so it shouldn't take six months. Oh, so you've got 10K deals that are stretching out over six months. What's been the impact of that? I mean, every, every minute you spend on a 10K deal is one fewer 10K deal you can go and find. Okay. Understanding that, are you still making quota right now, even though you're taking six months? Yeah, but the quota is a reflection of the fact that everyone's taking this long. So Armand's making my job easy. He's selling me on the fact that he's got the problem. But these are the types of questions I'm asking Armand. And every time you keep heightening the size of this problem, right? I've got 20 guys. Oh, it's only 10K. It's taking them six months. It'll take three months. If I can reduce that three months, it's more times prospecting. So I could probably get you to a place where you would probably say I could grow. If I could reduce that by down to three months, I could probably grow my revenue by 50%, but it's not going to be that much. So I'll say by 35 or 40%, I would have multiplied that 10,000 times 20 times 12. I would have got this number. I said, so then I would have said, I'm on. This is a big problem, it appears. I get why you called. And by this time, if I've done this right, we're having an engaging conversation. Like you're digging the questions I'm asking. You're getting this guy knows my business back to the pit. This person gets it. Then once you own the problem, I say, okay, Armand, now that I understand this, let's talk about what's going on. Why do you think this is happening? What are the salespeople doing? Tell me about your average sales call. Tell me about the discovery. Tell me about your pipeline meetings. Tell me, like, and now I'm digging into the root causes now. And in your world, tell me about the Excel spreadsheet you use, right? Tell me about the meeting. Like, I'm digging into the problems once I've got him to say, yeah, this is the problem. You inverse it. And they're like, this is all fine. I don't want to have this conversation because you haven't grounded him in a problem. I mean, even the question that I asked you when you asked me what he asked next, it was to understand the situation better so I can start to dig into the problem more. You're digging into technical problems. This is what people don't understand. There's a difference between technical problems and business problems. So here's a good example. I'll say to people, all right, how many of you would say it's a problem if it takes you three plus hours to get ready every morning? So situational... Hate those questions. Read Gap Selling, Armand. You change your life forever. Situational has you going in and saying, "Well, tell me about why it takes you three hours." And you spend all this time and how long it takes them to get out of bed, how long it takes them to get on their clothes, how long they spend in the shower, how they soak themselves up, how they shave, how they dry their hair, how they curl their hair. Am I telling the truth? You ask all these questions, right? Watch this. Who cares if it takes them three hours to get ready in the morning? if they're independently wealthy and don't have to be anywhere. Another one I use is picking up kids or taking kids to school. How often are your kids late to school? Or picking them up, right? Have you ever sat on the side of the road waiting for you after everybody left? Oh shit, that's not okay, right? Has CPS ever been called? Yes, my ex-wife called CPS once because I left my kids on the side of the road. Like these are problems that drive the reasons people will fix the root causes to make that keep from happening. So it started the, the problem, the business outcome, the pain, talking all about those things, getting them to wallow in it, getting them to feel it, and then bringing the conversation up 
And now because they've been wallowing in that pain, they're that much more willing to have a conversation about the process around it. About why? Not quite the process around solving it yet, but why they're having it. But you said, have you ever considered that? Are you using that to soften the, hey, I'm right about everything. I know exactly where I'm taking you? Yeah, absolutely. All right. And sometimes it's getting stuck in the weeds. Other times it's focusing too much on the root cause before getting into the problem. But if there was one bad habit that every rep had to break out there today, what would that be? Stop selling the product. Stop thinking it's about quota. Stop thinking it's about your product and getting the sale or closing. Stop it. Just get it up. Get rid of it. Stop it. Love it. Anything else you want to plug before we jump off? Gap selling. Go buy it. <laughs> Go buy it. We Go bought buy it. it. Gap It'll change your life. It'll change your life. All right, folks, everybody hold on for a 60-second recap email coming up soon. Cheers. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Your top four takeaways for the episode with Keenan. Number one, align on the problem and the impact first, and then start brainstorming root causes and solutions. Number two, build a problem identification chart with the problems, impacts, root causes of your ICP and get involved in their space. And that's number three. Number three is talk to customers, become an expert. Ask them why they bought, what problems did they have? And this feeds into your pick, your problem identification chart. Number four, you need customers to agree to the problem that they have and be willing to solve it with you before you can consider any deal one. Nick, how can people help us out today? Guys, thanks for listening. Most podcasts usually ask you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We're not most podcasts, so we're only going to ask you to do one thing. The number one thing you can do to help 30 Minutes to President's Club is to subscribe to us. So please click that button, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next show. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? 
Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes.